0: Welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are glad to have you with us for this episode. Well, we will be talking about the 2022 movie Tenet. Uh, but uh, first of all, I want to let you know that we are brought to you by progressivechristianity.org. There's so many progressive Christian resources over there. We highly encourage you to go check them out. We also encourage you to check us out, the Moonshine Jesus Show on Facebook and all the places you get your podcast. Uh, but more than anything, I want you to uh, welcome with me my good buddy, Caleb Lyons. How are you, Caleb? I am doing awesome. How are you doing today, Mark? I am doing really well. I am ready to dig into Tenet. I at least try mm-hmm. to. Uh, but we, as always, we do need to remind people, this is not a spoiler-free zone. This is a spoiler-full zone. So be prepared uh, for this movie to be spoiled for you. Honestly, I don't feel too bad about it this time. You've had a year to watch this if you were going to watch it. So you had a real opportunity. Mm-hmm. I am curious though this is always the case with these kind of uh, shows or movies that people that weren't the most popular and, and you have to tr- go out and try to find out what your drink your beverage is going to be. I'm really curious where you went with your beverage for this show yeah
1: okay yeah so I was inspired by the protagonist in the show yeah. that's all we okay. know him as right the protagonist <laughs> what he drinks. And so ah, he drinks. Oh,
0: we we may have gone the same ah, way on this. <laughs> right,
1: he drinks diet. It. He drinks diet coke. Right. right? Uh, no right. alcohol on business. Uh, right. So I I'm not staying true to that. I do have alcohol, no. but yes. I've gone with a classic mark, a Jack, yeah. and diet coke.
0: So in Very honoring nice.
1: him, I've got a diet coke. So I've got a like, Jack and diet coke. I
0: here. I kind of took the same the same uh, mm-hmm. direction you went. Early in the movie, we hear Neil, one of the other main characters already know what the protagonist, the main uh, characters drink is, which Mm -hmm. sort of gives a tip of the hat that somehow he knows about him, even though they're supposedly just meeting. Uh, I decided again, like you to go with a Diet Coke and I've turned it into what I'm calling a time inverter. Uh, And it is Diet Coke, lime vodka, and uh, a, a heavy serving uh, of absinthe because I figured that will help mm. me invert time a little bit. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> we, we both went in a similar direction. So, cheers to you, sir. Hey, cheers, Mark. Uh, let's try these out. I'll do that again. How about they yours? Do. Yeah. All right. Great. All right. Well, uh, we're going to continue sipping on these drinks, and in the meantime, we're going to have a little break here, and we'll come back. And geek out a little bit about the show.
1: Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about Tenet, and this is our geeking out section. We'll geek out for a little while, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the theology and politics of the show. So Tenet is the 2020 science fiction, time travel-esque action thriller film directed (laughs) and written by the one, the only Christopher Mm. Nolan, armed with only one word, Tenet. (laughs) And fighting for the survival of the entire world, the protagonist journeys through the twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. So, Mark, you and I were chatting ahead of the show today, and we were both saying, hey... Uh, we watched this a couple times, and we're not really quite sure uh, what happened wow. here. No. And so here's, here's a line that stuck with me, and I want to yeah. get your, your uh, reflections on this. As the protagonist is learning about Tenet, the Tenet scientist is teaching him about reverse time, and she says, don't try to understand it, feel it. Is that the best yeah. advice for watching this movie? Not to try to understand it, just
0: to feel it. <laughs> yeah, you know, in a lot of ways I really think it is because the the more it's almost like the more you try to understand it, the more it escapes your ability to understand it. And, and in a lot of ways that's Christopher Nolan, right? I mean, it, he is that he he really always is playing with time and time directions and timelines and frequently likes to have characters that are there in two different ways. And so I mean, I have to say there are times for me that this, this entire movie, um, feels like a riddle, but it's a riddle like where they're both not telling you the question, nor are they giving you enough information to answer whatever the question happens to be. So maybe in some ways it's just supposed to be art. And, and art plays a very important role in the movie. So maybe that is like his little like tip of the hat to us to say, look, just treat this as art. Like I'm playing a lot of my favorite themes that you've seen in other movies like Inception and different ones. And so just experience this. Don't try to overthink it. The problem is we're doing a show on it. It's hard not to start to try to overthink it and figure out what the hell is going on and how do we talk about it, Rami, mean, right?
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's one of the audience complaints in in general i mean this has one of the lower rotten tomato scores for christopher yeah. nolan films and i yeah. think that this is a, kind of the double-edged sword of christopher nolan and his brilliance mm. some of his movies are incredible and mind-bending and some of them i think miss the mark a bit And I would say that this film is similar to Interstellar in that it has this this big concept that is maybe too big for the movie that's trying to contain the concept. Like, he -hmm. he spent five years working on this movie, right? Writing the script, Mm -hmm. trying to get it all all together. And I'm not sure the movie really... uh, is the appropriate medium for this, or I, I'm not sure that I felt yeah. like we really uh, we really understood what was going on. It's one of those things where you can yeah. kind of feel like, I just watched two and a half hours of a movie, and I saw a whole lot of stuff, and I also feel like I didn't see very much at all like, what was the plot of that movie? What what exactly did right. happen? Am, am I off yeah. base? Uh, am, I, am I not uh, giving them a No, I,
0: man, I hear exactly what you're saying. I do think that Interstellar did a better job of giving us a little more of a, a linear time, a, a, a linear story, where it wasn't flipping and folding back and forth on itself. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the issues I had with Tenet. And, and And maybe it's an issue that we're supposed to have. Because he's playing so much with timelines and he's flipping it back and forth. And you're re-experiencing scenes in reverse almost and trying to figure out how a character is re-experiencing it sometimes in two different ways. And so I do feel like that's, I feel a little inadequate in trying to to say why he did it. It's very clear yeah. that there was intent on it. Um, oh, see, and there is a good, bigger... Mark.
1: Because I thought maybe they just wanted to shoot the fighting scenes backwards. Like, oh, <laughs> it's cool. It's like some of the fights were backwards and stuff. But you have a, you think it's very intentional.
0: It certainly seems like it is. And there, there's, I, I keep, I was continually trying to grasp at what the bigger story was of why it was so important to tell these stories forwards and backwards. And and maybe it has to do with trying to make us consider about the value of time and, and what to time means to us in our in our present and as we reflect on our past and and what the future may be i feel like there was a lot of commentary trying to to be made about it I, i'm not sure i was intelligent enough to fully grasp the message honestly of what it was clear that he was trying to make commentary on the the present the past and the future and how they impact each other and and what that means in terms of who we are and how we interact with even our current moments. And, and we can get to more of that later. Probably. Yeah. But I just felt like it, it was so fast paced and there was so much verbiage going on trying to describe it. I think your observation of maybe this wasn't the right format. What if we made this a series where we can take more time and and investigate uh, metaphysics and investigate time and, and quantum theory, even and talk about how it all impacts what's going on here might have been a better choice because it all happens so fast even watching it twice i mean ultimately what i get is a story of the future is at risk because of climate change and so they create the ability to go, not only go back in time but to delete time and they believe that if they delete time that it'll fix the future i mean i think that's actually the the real story here or i i i I think
1: so. I don't so. know. I, I think I, I mean I think one of the interesting things that points to, points to what you're saying here about trying to understand this is that that Neil is said to have had a master's in physics, right? And mm-hmm. the protagonist can't even understand exactly how any of right. it works. And goes to, uh, a, so I, yeah, goes to he, a doctor
0: he, and like, explain he, this to me. What what the hell's yeah, going on? Uh, yeah. Uh, it,
1: we we don't really we don't really understand. Yeah, I think I think it's making a commentary on on if we destroy the Earth uh, so much so that there's no recuperating from it, to what lengths would we go to restore rightness or or right. the human ability to survive? So I, I think you're right on that, and I would love to explore in our next segment more about like what that means for uh, for our future and climate change. But right mm. now, what I, what I'm curious to know about yeah. this, Mark, is that. This is very reflective of Christopher Nolan's broader style, you know? Absolutely. So I'm curious uh, if you're a Christopher Nolan fan, uh, and I'm curious if you have a favorite Christopher Nolan movie, because his writing and directing style is very unique, and some people love it and some people do not uh how about you where do you fall he's kind
0: of he's kind of hit and miss with me um yeah uh if i have a favorite it's either inception or interstellar stellar both of those i really enjoyed Uh, i felt like they dealt with uh uh dimensions and time issues in a really well done way that was you could you could grab you had to pay attention you had to be there with them and and he tried to make statements in those that i felt like were important and made you think and be reflective. So I really enjoyed those. And I'll also say, he's also just a visually a brilliant filmmaker. Like there are so mm. many things that are just, they grab you instantly and you get kind of pulled into the, the movie visually. Um, so for me, those would be the two that I would most say that I really appreciated immediately. Like Tenet, maybe if I watched it two more times, I would appreciate <laughs> it more deeply. Like I, I really, uh, it was, it was a struggle. It was. How about you? I mean, are you a fan of his? And, and what, what, what films, if any, are your kind of go to for for him?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I like him, and I think primarily because you know this, Mark. I, I'm a huge Batman fan. I love Batman, mm-hmm. and so I love the Dark Batman. Knight trilogy. Yep. And so that's that was my introduction to to Christopher Nolan. And when you're talking yep. about like. His vision for cinematography, too. I think about oh, that uh, was know, brilliant. Scenes in Batman that were just beautiful. That you Pure stop art. and you're like, that's... "This is a Batman movie." Why yeah, you literally
0: pause it and that and and a, yeah. it, wherever it was could be a piece of art on its own.
1: That's right. That's right. So I was introduced to him, in that way I, I loved Inception. I even liked all the way back to like Insomnia. I, I like yeah. his stuff, um, mm. but. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, and, and the prestige I think is very good. I I think uh, some of the the later films are are harder to get behind because there's right. so much focus on the mind bending aspect. And I think there is some value to sometimes telling a linear story and help it <laughs> and walking the audience through <laughs> where you expect them to arrive. Uh and so yeah. I think I think he did a good job with that in Dunkirk. You know that was very well received oh, I'm not a Dunkirk big was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Fan. Yep, I like My, myself. Yeah, but uh, but I did enjoy it because but I think part of that was uh we kind of got the story. Uh, so yeah. uh, So
0: I'm I'm curious since you mentioned The Dark Knight uh, yeah. and what do you think is his fascination with the the two sides of people? So Dark Knight you got yeah. Batman, Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. Two Face is in that where mm-hmm. we see, you know, visually see two sided, and in this we ha- we have characters who are, are existing in two different ways almost mm-hmm. constantly and sometimes interacting. What do you think yeah. is his, his? There does seem to be a fascination with him uh, of the two sidedness of a, a of individuals. And did you see that yeah. between Dark Knight and this? And and what's that all the? Why do you think he keeps coming back to that theme?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, even with uh, the prestige, I mean, we see mm-hmm. I see people who appear one way and and end yeah. up being something else. I I think it, he's speaking about the duality of humanity, and yeah. uh, and each person's you know capacity to do to do good things and and bad things. And mm-hmm. I agree. I think this does seem to be a preoccupation of his, and uh, and to really explore you know what happens if we uh, feed the good wolf or the bad wolf. You know, right. uh, as a, as the saying goes, which uh, yeah. w- what is it that uh, about humanity that that makes us good or bad, and uh, and and what's that like for us? Well, mm-hmm. do you have uh, do you have thoughts, Mark? On, on no, I, I think that I think
0: that's part of it. I I, I wonder. I, I would love to hear more of his personal story. I wonder if there's something mm-hmm. going on where he's exploring something personally. Because I, yes, I think that it is a recognition of the duality of humanity uh and his uh, his attempt to uncomplicate it a little bit by breaking it out and just showing one side and the other side kind of in an in uh capsulized versions rather than having to deal with the messiness of of how it really is of that we have these different parts of who we are always interacting. And we're having to decide, as you point out, which part of us is going to win out in every moment, any given moment. And he's seems to be trying to make that a clearer choice for us so that we can process it a little better. Maybe, definitely in the dark night, that's part of what's going on. Here's a, here's a, maybe in a more grayish area, but he does, it is sort of two people that are working towards different ends because they're working in different directions and times
1: yeah yeah i i think you're right and uh i i think we also should just say that it is a fun movie and an entertaining movie mm-hmm. and the the action scenes are incredible Incredible. And, i mean there's I mean the fact that one person is fighting forward in time and the other pi- person is fighting backwards in time, and sometimes they're fighting themselves and don't know it. I think perhaps that's a, a, a that's, similar that, metaphor. We're
0: probably thinking of the same scene where he's shooting through yep. the glass on the two sides. Uh huh. And yep, that was. I, I sat there the whole time going, "How do you film that? How how did? <laughs> right. How do you conceptualize it? But then, how do you film it so that you can yep. tell the story in both?" time directions. That was brilliant. Yeah. I yeah. don't understand what it meant, but it was brilliant. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: well, Mark, you know what? There are uh, confusing nature of this movie aside, there are a lot of <laughs> theological aspects to it and political aspects. And I think maybe it's time that we turn our focus towards those areas. So let's take a quick break and let's come back for our Theopolitico segment. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for a Theopolitico segment where we're talking about the movie Tenet. So I'm probably going to go in some slightly unexpected spaces here, Caleb. Uh, But I think they're justified in in parts of what the film is doing. Uh, One of the things that I kept thinking about, particularly is his name Seder or Satter. I always Mm -hmm. mispronounce his name. One of the things I'm thinking about him is uh, sort of, for me that death is basically an, supposed to be an inescapable reality of time mm-hmm. and and he's kind of playing with that ultimately and, and in part i think the the movie is about escaping that reality at least in terms of addressing that character the uh the desire to escape that reality and so my i've got a two-part question the first part okay. is is that that desire to escape the reality that death is inescapable in in terms of time, is that something that we should want? And then, in what ways do you think traditional Christian theology has been about escaping death, escaping that reality? And then I'm gonna have a follow up to that as well. Of course. I'm. So, this is really a three part question. Is that what you're saying? It right? might be a four part question in the long run. <laughs> wow, I, we, we're, wow. We're going to wait and let that, we're going to build the anticipation. We're going to build okay, the anticipation. Yeah. I can't whether wait. Whether it could be or not.
1: <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat here. Okay. Yeah. So, it's not something that we should want. I think right. a lot of people really have a hard time dealing with death. And, um, yeah. Aging and death and the possibility that we will all that all you know die. No one makes it out of this life alive. (laughs) We we're all going to die. Life is a
0: terminal illness.
1: I I hear that. That as as soon as you're born, you start dying. (laughs) Do we have any other cliches we can throw at it? I don't know. I can't come up with any right now. I was (laughs) trying though. I was really trying. So yeah, I mean, human beings struggle with the, the finiteness of, of life. And, mm-hmm. um, and we we have trouble with that. And so traditional Christianity has tried to provide an answer in talking about the afterlife. And, you know, I think, um, to its disservice, uh, much of Christianity has ended up being exclusively about the afterlife, about mm-hmm. n- not living in this world, but preparing our whole lives to uh, go to what's next, whatever that right. is. And so uh, I feel like that's a mistake. I don't think that that's what Jesus talked much about, you know, first century Judaism was not particularly concerned with an afterlife. And uh, uh, although there was a growing movement concerned with the afterlife in the first century, it's not clear what relation Jesus had to that. Uh, And Jesus seemed to be talking much more about creating uh, a reformed social order in the here and now, in in treating people equitably and and, uh, fairly in in the here and now. So I think that Christianity has has done uh, done a bit of a disservice in helping us think about uh, the the sacredness of the hours that we have here on this earth and and what it is. I, I I'm going to be interested after your follow-up question to hear what you have to say about that because I know you've been thinking a lot about reintegration of afterlife. Uh, well, we we can Christian we can theology. come back
0: to, we can come back to yeah. some of, of that. But I actually I I, I won't I, I agree with you. I feel like. Um, Christianity has definitely done a disservice in focusing Mm -hmm. so much in this very defined afterlife where Mm -hmm. we are almost, you know, I literally got asked uh, this Sunday from a person who was part of a different group that was in the church who said, oh, well, you're the minister and and I'm I'm the minister here. And uh, his his question was uh, to, to help him understand if cremation was okay, because when Gabriel comes back and blows his horn, um we're going to there's going to be a bodily resurrection and what happens to those who have been cremated and so there is this disservice that christianity has done in terms of at least traditional theology of there being this bodily resurrection and what that means and what it does to us i mean um that that traditional christian idea of the afterlife it seems to me it reduces the urgency of consequential things in this life does it not i mean and this movie kind of points to how what we've seen. It it doesn't specifically talk about it, but we're talking about climate change in in the movie. And it does seem to me that that traditional Christian uh, idea of this even bodily resurrection is that we get to continue to live in this beautiful, amazing place where we don't have to worry about this planet. I mean, doesn't it feel like there's, there's some damage that happens in the here and now because of that?
1: Oh, absolutely! Especially whenever we pair this focus on the afterlife with a thought that there's some kind of a a second coming of Christ that is that uh, will be kind of the end of the world as we know it, and so there are certain things that groups believe have to happen, including you know subjugation of the earth and even destruction of the earth, and so some uh, fundamentalist Christians, I don't think. I don't think most Christians, but I think some fundamentalist Christians believe that actually destroying the earth hastens the end times, and that it's actually a faithful thing to do. That is the definition of bad theology, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and one of the dangers of not knowing right. the the, no. the social and historical context of the text. Uh, but uh, but but there are Christians who who, when that you pair those things together, you know, are doing active destruction to the earth and i think that's one of the examples of how religion can really be a bad thing absolutely. if it's absolutely, unchecked.
0: absolutely. So. all right so so we took a side road there here's my follow-up question <laughs> that's uh, right uh, about trying <laughs> so to escape two or three more questions right <laughs> all right <laughs> about trying to escape death like okay. it is this human desire we see it in this movie we just talked about how even Christianity tries to pr- present some kind of image of how you escape actual death. This is more of a philosophical question. <laughs> Why do you think that it is so important to humans to escape death? Is there is there something about living a full life here that even a full life ends up that we find or see it as incomplete in some way? Is there some what is the 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 reason behind that? Is it is it that we see life as somehow incomplete even if it's lived to its fullest what do you think is going on in our need to escape death and then i might have a follow-up question in that
1: <laughs> i think to some degree it depends on the person and what their own life experience has been and if it is someone who who maybe is is afraid of death. I mean, I think maybe for for many people, there is some fear of the unknown of what waits beyond or not, or is this all I've got? Um, I, I think that for some folks, there is a genuine love of life and a, a genuine desire for uh, for life to continue as it is. I think for some people, there's, uh, and I think this can be particularly true for people who have had a tough life or from marginalized communities, and that mm-hmm. is that um, there's a hope that things will be better in another life. And so I gave a sermon a, a year or so ago where I was talking about Uh, I was talking about the afterlife and said, well, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, you can believe whatever you want. I'm not sure I really believe in this in this way. And so someone from a a, a marginalized community came up to me afterwards and said, but how about those of us who have had to suffer through this life uh, because of systems of oppression and, uh, and for whom, for our communities, this has been a hope that, hey, things aren't right in the here and now but they're going to be mm-hmm. right in the sweet by and by. Uh, what about that? Are, are you right. taking that hope away from us? And I, I mean, my answer was, uh, you know, I think I, I still believe whatever you want, whatever is helpful to you. But I also Absolutely. think that that can be an escape from working on uh, real concrete change in the here and now. Right. I mean, yeah. it, for it, for instance, if we're talking about black communities, right, I mean, white slavers use the promise of an afterlife as a tool for manipulation mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know what? I know things suck here. That's okay uh, because you're- temporary. Be gonna, and, yeah, it's temporary. You're going to be rewarded uh, uh, later on. So I, I think you got to be careful with that too.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. What do you think? And that kind of that leads into my follow-up okay. question, frankly, okay. and my, which is what should we be doing to help all of us see Mm -hmm. this life as sufficient, as rewarding, as enough, and not to have to place so much emphasis on how incredible the afterlife is, because frankly, we don't know what the afterlife is. And we do at some point need to to reimagine from the traditional Christian understanding of what it might or might not be a more realistic understanding. And and that may or might not be something that gives hope. And so my question is, what do we need to be doing now? so that hope is not so necessary in the afterlife.
1: You know, I think that this is a place where we can learn from other religious traditions. And so we Mm -hmm. don't have to think that Christianity has all the answers, because I think in this particular aspect, it doesn't. And so um, I, I think particularly of Buddhism, where the goal is to escape the life right? This goal is yes. to escape the life cycle because there's this thought of reincarnation and your goal is to reach nirvana and to escape the rebirthing process. And so it is a recognition that we should be grateful for every moment, that we should be living in the moment and that we should detach from uh, the things that that hold us uh, to this life. I th- I think there's some wisdom in that and in yeah. kind of recognizing that this moment is the moment that we have, that the things that are behind us don't exist anymore. They they are things that are behind us. The things that are in the future also don't exist. Both of those are concepts with uh, and, and constructs within our minds, mm-hmm. but they, they yeah. are not concrete realities. The only concrete reality is right now. So pay attention to your breath, pay attention to what's going on and be here in this moment. And there's a lot of wisdom. To that, uh, I I think especially when you pair it with some of the ethical teachings of Christianity, that that there are some there's some wisdom in that. But that's just my answer. Do you have a great solution to this question, Mark?
0: Because this is one well, of the big questions of life. It is. Right? It is. It yeah. is a big question of life, and I don't know that I have the answer or a answer as much as. I do believe that the teachings of Jesus, in terms of who we're supposed to be in the here and now, are solutions to not needing as much hope in the future. If we could all follow the teachings, if we can all recognize the value of all life, the interconnectedness of all life, and to 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 begin to work even more diligently on making sure that people aren't marginalized, making sure that their lives are valued and recognized and, and celebrated. Um I feel like that is is I in a lot of ways I feel like what we push into the future or into the afterlife gives us a little much too 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 much leeway in the present to not have to address things like social like uh social justice and and climate change. Um I don't know that I have a, a, an answer uh, that that says, uh, this is how we prevent it. But I do think that, that what we need to be doing is focusing on the here and now and and creating realities where folks don't need to push their hope into the future. Because if we value life, hope needs to be in the here and now, and we need to be doing the work that makes hope a real present possibility.
1: Hmm. That sounds good to me.
0: Well, We could go on and on, and I had several more questions to ask, but I would much rather uh, move on to the next segment where I get to hopefully ask you a question that makes you look stupid.
1: And welcome to our final segment of the Moonshine Jesus Show, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, where Mark almost always makes me no, look stupid. No. But you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna ask you a question today, Mark, right. and it's one. Right. I don't know if it's going to make you look stupid, but it's it something that I'm curious to know about. And uh, mm. I, I, I want to know your take on this so right. the, the the antagonist satyr uh says my greatest sin was to bring a son into the world when i knew it was dying yeah and he says do you think god will forgive me so there's a line that i think is worth thinking about a little mm. bit um because yeah. we have this record human population we see that the the earth is uh, being affected by climate change and that that is being uh, uh, that that is being affected by more human beings on the earth. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. this growing movement. I don't know if you saw this article in the New York Times recently, uh, a growing movement of people who think we should let human beings go extinct. So here's here's what I want to know, Mark. Um, Is there value in that and, and viewing human beings like uh, any other species that maybe should should be allowed to run their course is there is there something to be said for voluntary extinction? Is there something to be said for population control? Uh, and are there theological aspects of that? That's what I want to know Mark. I'm curious.
0: Boy, that's a lot of questions that
1: I don't have answers to. Um, <laughs> i just going to throw uh, – you asked me, uh, like, a
0: five-part question that's earlier. So fair, that's throw, fair.
1: I'm not going to build that's any questions. I'm throwing them all out at <laughs> that's you That's fair. Once,
0: okay? <laughs> that's fair. Let me see if I can figure out how to approach any of those. Uh, um, is oh, there value I – mean-
1: you're, you're thinking about it, Mark. I'm feeling good about this set of questions.
0: <laughs> is, is there value? Is there value to human extinction or allow or, or even self-imposed human extinction? Uh, no, uh, um, Who cares if the human race survives? If it does, it does, if it doesn't, it doesn't. That is life. Uh, that is death and the ending of human individuals of races happens. That is part of what goes on. Should we care about it? Yeah, of course we, we should care about trying to have that not happen. There is value in humanity. There is value in 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 what we have become and in our ability to process and think about life and to understand our relationship with the other. There is value in sharing love and 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 trying to care about each other. There is even value in the in the negative chaos that we create. Uh, in a lot of ways, this this movie is about entropy. Uh, of moving towards this constant increasing chaos, but trying to understand it and figure out who we are within all of it. Um, So, no, I don't think there's any real value in an intended intentional extinction of humanity. We lose so much of what is good in the world. Even some of the things that we think of as negative and bad um, aren't can can be seen as less than and bad as much as things that we learn from and process and make humanity better uh, from in our best moments. So, uh, I I don't think that that is, is a good thing. And I don't think it's anything we should work towards. It's also nothing we should fear. If it happens.
1: How about population control?
0: Population control becomes a question. A bigger question for me is are we willing to share what we have? Hmm. Population control is not necessary if we're not hoarding goods right now, Uh. even at our, at our incredible, rate of growth and the immense amount of people that live on the planet, the planet actually currently still produces enough to care for everyone. The problem is humanity doesn't produce, produce enough compassion to care for everyone, a willingness to distribute those goods in a fair and equitable way. So no, I I'm also not a big fan of population control, at least not right now. I think that that's a, a very simple solution to a problem that has to do with people's greed and i'm not willing to uh to sacrifice the experience of new life so that someone can have as much greed as they want that's bullshit. i'm not going there i don't know what do you th- what do you think man
1: yeah, so I think I think it's ethically problematic to uh, think that voluntary termination of the species is something that people are going to get behind. <laughs> uh, the, so I think that's a, a crazy position. No one's going right. to get behind that, um, right. other than uh, a few fanatics. I, I mean, obviously we all share the the concern of climate change, but I, I think that. And I agree uh, in terms of population control. and all. I do think there, though, that one thing that Christianity can do to help with population mm-hmm. control is to take away some of the unhelpful theology regarding sex and procreation. And so Absolutely. recognizing Absolutely. that, like, uh, using various forms of birth control is not contrary to the Christian faith but is something that, that is absolutely fine. I think yes. that if, if churches do a better job uh, of sex education and, and, and talking about how it is that uh, that we can engage in, in birth control kinds of things, I think that that's a, a respectful Way to uh, to begin addressing the problem as well. So uh, and you know, in theological terms, we we do often talk about the earth being an earth of abundance and that yes. there there is always enough. It's just whether or not we're going to share. So I I love that response. Okay, I love it, Mark. That thank you for helping me unpack all of those questions, <laughs> I don't... I don't like fifty of those questions.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I even managed to, to make a dent in the most of the questions, but at least <laughs> I, I'm always willing to give my opinion though, you, that you're very well aware of. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, so my turn, yep. my turn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. since you asked multiple questions, I'm going you're gonna to do it too. I, I'm going <laughs> to ask a question and I'm going to do a follow-up question. Okay. All right, okay. The question is based on this movie. So ultimately this movie is about finding a way To change the past so that we have an escape route when we mess things up. My question is, is there an actual meaning for life if we have an escape route, a way to change the past? Is there meaning in life if we can always go back and change the past to reshape it?
1: No, and I think they they hint at this to some degree. I, and I mean, obviously, tenant is the, the group that is not wanting to change the past, even mm-hmm. though they're utilizing going back in the past to, right. to fight people. But, <laughs> they, change but, the they, change they
0: change the, the past. They change what they're trying to change. Right.
1: One of the confusing nature of all of this, but uh, one of their phrases that they say is what has happened has happened, even in the way that they've addressed changing the past. And I, I think that that's that's right what has Mm. happened has happened. There is currently no way to change the past. And even if there were, I don't think that that helps us to deal with life as it is. So I think part of living is recognizing our current reality. And uh, our current reality is made by what has happened in the past. Uh, both no. what has happened to us and the things that we have done to others, and it is in grappling with that that we deal with our own sense of reality. So, no, I don't think uh, I, I don't think there's meaning to life if we could go back and redo everything. You know, uh, that's right. more of a, a, a so, nostalgic kind of view of well, absolutely. Well, so, okay. so
0: that 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 leads directly into my follow-up question because okay. I completely agree with. You. Uh, if we have an escape route to change the past, then what's the? Where's the value? Where's there any meaning in life? So, knowing that that's you and I both pretty much jumped to that conclusion. I don't think anyone listening probably went, "Oh, y'all are crazy." They probably went, "Yeah, that makes of so sense. I agree." No, I want to go back and change everything.
1: So, yeah. So, okay. so,
0: so the question though is, if that is the truth, and if it's a truth mm-hmm. that we can all leap to pretty quickly without a lot of argument, why do we spend so much time regretting the past and wishing we could change it? And end up in, in these unhealthy mental places because of it. Why do we do I that? I think
1: I think that's part of the the paradoxical uh, aspect of human nature, right? Mm. We we all wonder about what could be or what might have been, and I think our language about changing the past often has to do with that are envisioning no. a, a different life or a different kind of life or not being satisfied with what, with what is. And I, I think this relates to what I was talking about earlier, that, that it really has to do with being grounded in the present moment and recognizing that these realities that we're creating in our minds aren't realities at all. You know, they're just they're just they're just fantasies that that we're talking about. So I think it's human nature to wonder about what might have been. But I think we can get into dangerous territory really quickly whenever we start an obsession with what Mm might have been. And we we pinpoint a particular moment that caused our life to be the way it is for better or for ill. Uh, When in reality, it's often a whole set of experiences that have led to this point. So I think it's human nature, but I think uh, it it can be dangerous.
0: What's your take on it, Mark? No, I I, I agree. Um, I think part of it is that religions of all sorts, and philosophies even, try to set up this good and bad dichotomy. Mm. And we try to define what's good in life and what's bad in life, rather than just recognizing that life is and experiencing it and trying to make the most of it as it happens. Um, and, and and there is the part of us that need to recognize the past has happened. We made the best choices that we could make in the moment. We need to give ourselves that space to say, while I might make a different choice now, back then I made the choice I had to make based on my realities, my experience, my -hmm. knowledge, and that is what happened and not judge it as good or bad, just recognize it as life and life happening. And kind of going back to that being in the moment of this moment in life of breathing in, breathing out and saying, this is where I am. This is who I am. My past has influenced me arriving here. That's not good or bad. It is what it is. And all I can do is experience it, learn from it and move forward based on it. And I think we, we, we need to do a better job just in general of helping each other understand that that's okay. It's not just okay. It's good and it's what life is about, and in a lot of ways, that is the meaning of life, is to experience it in its fullness, and to not judge it, uh, but to always try to learn from it, and make it better moving. forward. That sounds
1: wonderful, Mark. I, I, I love that thought of life being what it is, and us making the best decisions uh, in the moment, and as they say that'll preach mark that sounds pretty good i i like that so we've had enough mind bending for today i think with yeah Dennis. absolutely and, uh so uh let's talk about what we're gonna watch next week uh so this week we're planning to watch a show called yep. blaze uh, yep. do you know
0: anything about it mark i know a little bit about it i've watched the trailer for it it came out last year um, and it's really unusual I'm not going to say a whole lot about it but I will read this one description it says after a young girl witnesses a violent crime, she summons an imaginary dragon to help process her anger and protect her on her journey into womanhood and I can tell you the uh, there there is a lot of investigation in terms of what I'm reading about it about how traumatic events can impact us and how we deal with them and live with them uh, and this looks, really unusual it looks very creative there's a lot of imagination and it's almost working with where our imagination can go to darker places and also though how it can help us through a difficult time so it's, it looks like it could be very interesting uh, it is really highly rated by critics and uh, viewers are not so sure. So it should be fun to, to, to try to delve into why there's such a discrepancy there.
1: Yeah, that'll be a fascinating discussion, I'm sure. It's always very interesting when critics land one place and the audience lands <laughs> another Absolutely. So then in two weeks, we're going yes. to talk about Ant-Man, Quantumania. And yes. Mark and I, I know we've both been looking forward to this for quite a while. So we're hoping that then this starts... Uh, a series of new releases of films because the last month or so has been a little bit dry. So it's been a struggle to, to find.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely been, been, been a struggle.
1: <laughs> Figure it out what we been. should be
0: talking about.
1: But there's lots of good stuff coming out this spring and this summer, and I can't yeah. wait to talk about it with you, man. I had a great time Same. today, as usual. Me too. Cheers. I wasn't sure you, going
0: Mark. into I wasn't sure going into tenant that we'd end up in good places, but. I really appreciated I, the discussion. Very know, much. it was
1: one of those. I, but I, I've got to tell you, Mark. I was really relieved yeah. whenever we talked today for you to say, "I'm not sure that I knew what this meant," and I thought, "Thank God, <laughs> it wasn't just me." I just said, right. "I was really, I was really dense on this one." Yeah, I but, kind of felt uh, the same way. We, we both were. Both so <laughs> 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 of us, you know. Well, Absolutely. Cheers <laughs> to you, Mark. Cheers to all cheers, of you sir. out there, and uh, we can't wait to see you next time on. The Moonshine Jesus show